Hey guys, I have today with me my friend Kyle McNair. Um, Kyle was in my energy class with Craig Walker. I had an episode with Craig um, earlier. And today we're going to be talking about um, sexuality um, and the physical, psychological, spiritual perspectives. Um, obviously, this is not an easy topic. Uh, you know, it's very controversial and can um, <clears throat> trigger people. And, you know, I don't have all the answers. Kyle doesn't have all the answers, but we'll just do the best we can with where we're at and what we know and just try to be um, be humble and just consider all the different perspectives and um, be loving. Yeah. yeah. And so, uh, yeah, we'll just do, do the best we can. Um, Kyle, do you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, agreed with all that. I'm Kyle. I... Um I don't really know what to say as far as what I do, but mm-hmm. I would call it maybe a student of life and mm. really on a healing path right now, um, delving into the self and essentially how we are creating our reality and, and the consequences of that and the responsibilities of that and and just realizing that it's, it really takes like a deep look at yourself to be able to heal and transmute and ultimately create the reality that you want to have. Um, but yeah, so I've just been really into consciousness and spirituality and, you know, looking at religions and the way that they touch upon the same type of things I'm seeing and, my spirituality practice and all of that. Yeah, that's great. Um, yeah. You kind of want to get into your um, experience growing up, what that was like, the religious and spiritual aspect, and also understanding of sexuality. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was born in January of 93. Um, my parents were both in their early 20s, and they had suffered um, individually traumatic uh, childhoods in their own. Um, So I was essentially born to two adult children um, who weren't really fully able to embody the role of a parent. And so their sort of trauma played out throughout my childhood, um, more so in terms of like the aggression from my father and all that, the physical attributes of that aggression. And then my mom, it was more of this like emotional, um, like responsibility I felt from the beginning for her as if like I had to protect her because she was so emotionally distraught from, you know, her life and not really having healed much yet because she was just at the beginning of her healing path when she had me. So, I mean, my childhood wasn't easy. I was parentified and I had um, a younger brother, eight years younger than me, a younger sister, 10 years younger than me. And I took on this like parental role for them as well. Um, and just watch the patterns repeat. But before they were born, I was an only child for eight years and my mom was very much spiritual already. She was into 
at that point it was more paranormal and ghost stuff because I guess that's what she was able to um, digest and, you know, uh, work with at that point. So I grew up like very aware that there was much more going on here than the physical reality. And I could feel it and it scared me. And that was a lot because of the stories I was told and the movies I maybe had seen or all of that stuff. But I was afraid of ghosts. I was afraid of spirits. I was afraid that I was going to get, you know, maybe possessed or something. Mm-hmm. And these were real fears for me as a kid. So it, it really kind of shut me off to like that feeling part of myself in that way. And then I was also shut off to the feeling part of myself from, you know, the, the attitude that my, my father carried in opposition to being queer or, you know, he, he was probably under the assumption he was going to have a son who was going to, he was going to be able to be like a mini him and, you know, and I just didn't come out that way. I was, my, I was with my mom all the time and he wasn't really around. So it was like almost kind of inevitable that I would be more feminine because I was only getting that, you know, part of the, the parental umbrella. I wasn't getting what I needed from my father. So it was like this overcompensation from my mom who was emotionally disabled at that point. And the reason why they were so, you know, distraught emotionally and unable to be like a solid parental figure was because my father's dad had committed suicide at the age at my dad's age of 17. And my mom grew up with a very complex situation. I like to compare it to Cinderella, even though it's even worse. She had her and her brother were their mom had gotten paralyzed by going off a cliff on the back of a motorcycle when they were only two. And the father left the mom for the nurse that was taking care of the mom and moved them across the country. And so my mom grew up with like these five, like way older step siblings and this stepmom who told her that her mom was dead and would treat her and her, her brother like trash, like would make them hand wash their clothes when they had a washer and dryer in the middle of the winter. Like they couldn't eat the foods everyone else could eat. They could only eat certain foods. They were beaten. It was terrible. So now fast forward all these years later, she has a child and it's probably changing her life and waking her up and waking up her physical body. And, you know, so she's growing immensely just from that experience. And so I just, I was like, I guess I've watched my mom grow this whole time, her, my whole life mm. through her spiritual journey, which has been very inspiring for me as well. But back to the emotional stunting from one, the fear of the unknown and two, the fear of being something that my father would never agree with in my mind. And may, I don't know, all these worst case scenarios would come to mind 
if like it ever came out. So I just told myself like, that's not, that's not it. Like, this is not what it is. You're straight. You're going to end up with a woman. Like I had this all planned out, even though I was already experiencing at a young age, that attraction to the male sex. So I was really just battling against myself this whole time, as well as going through the process of like baptism, communion, confirmation, going to Catholic, uh, not Catholic school, but like the CCD where you go and learn about the Bible and all of the um, Catholic church and the rituals and everything. And throughout that process, I had uh, how, how certain old you? when I started that. How old were you when you uh, started um, realizing that you weren't um, straight? I would say I was doing things that weren't straight at a young age, but I didn't have any awareness of it yet. I would say like fifth grade was when I finally realized. So that that's what ten years old, nine years old. What were what were some of the uh, things that you were doing? The so. I was like, I guess realizing like I had this like physical experience if I was attracted to someone and it was not a woman, you know, um, there was like, there was, I was in an aftercare program and there was a boy there and we like, practically kissed each other. It was like very, you know, just very exploratory, but that, this was fifth grade. This was when I was like, Oh my God, this is like, I don't necessarily have control over this. Like, this is just like part of who I am. I like, you know what I mean? But also being told that it's not okay by the church, by my dad, by my family, not even directly, but by making jokes and, you know, things that I was picking up on things I was, you know, listening to, you know, children listen, they hear it all, they take it all in. And that's exactly what I was doing. So when it came time for me to come out, I sort of, it wasn't very authentic now that when I look back on it, because I was about 20 years old, I started coming out to my friends. I think I started off saying I was bisexual because I was like hooking up with girls and dancing with them at clubs. And like, it was weird. I don't even know who that person was, but that's what I was doing. So they, most people didn't know that I was gay. Some people that were closer to me, I'm sure could tell. Um, my parents said they knew, but when I came out to my parents, my dad was like, why, like, why were you afraid to tell me? And I was like, I, I, I think I said, I don't know, honestly, but when I like think about it now, it's because of all those times I heard those jerk jokes or he made jokes to me or, you know, all these different things that them talking about other people. I had a pair of gay cousins or second cousins and th- things that I would hear people say about them. It was, so there was a lot of reasons why I was afraid. And, you know, my uncle, when I came out, he would make all these gay jokes and I would let him do it. And he's like, Oh, he like loved that. I didn't let it bother me. But after, you know, it kept on every time I would see him, there would be more and more and more. It, I got really sick and tired of it, honestly. And like, mm-hmm. I started to be like, 
you're you're like putting your worth aside to just let other people feel good you know like that's not that's not healthy so it was more just another realization of boundaries that i didn't have and how i was allowing people to just use my energy um but yeah so again going back to that emotional stuntedness that carried through even after i came out because even then i was still kind of pretending to be someone not necessarily knowing it but i was identifying now as this gay man and trying to associate with this gay culture and still not feeling like i fit there like something about it wasn't right for me and i was seeing how in the real world where you know there's this this structure and certain people are benefiting from it and and many people are being kind of trampled on mm. and how people treat each other i mean specifically how people treat each other it's like there's a lot of this like people thinking they're better than someone or higher than someone and treating them accordingly or it's the same thing inside this gay culture it's like they everyone's just treating each other like shit and not everyone i mean there's so much love there is there's so much love and there's so much like acceptance and just so much of that and also more so in the dating world of the like the gay community there's this like darkness i would almost say like that's that feels very similar to the darkness that we have in our everyday lives and i think that i'm very grateful for being able to see that because it was probably an, a part of the reason why i kept searching for something that felt more inclusive to myself or at least just resonant like it was, there wasn't a full resonance with being gay mm-hmm. and i just didn't really think much about it i let it go and then years later i was watching this show about this this person who's non-binary and i had like heard the word non-binary before but like i didn't really think much about it i think i was a little less um able to be with myself and look inside at you know at the point where i was where i had come out and all these years i was partying and drinking and you know like running from myself very clearly mm-hmm. and uh you know luckily i essentially i met someone who kind of helped me see like things for what they were instead of this illusion i had about everything like i thought like you know there's nothing wrong with me well other than thinking that i was there was something wrong with me for being gay but like i didn't think that i was affecting other people really in negative ways but then i was something things that we i went through with this person opened my eyes and that was the beginning of me like waking up essentially because i was starting to see things that were that right in front of me that i just couldn't see before about myself about the reality you know and so 
Um, can, can we go back real quick? I just want yeah. to know a little bit more about what you were talking about when you said you felt this darkness within gay culture, within mm. relationships. Can you explain Well, that for instance, more? it's like, there's like this, well, I'm going to specifically talk about this one app called Grinder, mm. and it's a good way of explaining what I'm talking about because it's so prominent in in the gay community as far as it's essentially an app for having sex with someone because you, there's, you, I mean, you, you can meet people on there. You could, I guess you can meet friends. I guess you could meet someone to date, but it's essentially geared towards sleeping with someone. So there's this thing like you go on, people don't want to talk. They just want your pictures. They, they, they want your, like to know if you're down, you know what I'm saying? And it's like, it didn't start that way, this app. It was much different mm-hmm. years ago when I used it. And this is what it's become. It's like, you get ghosted. If, like, if you don't uh, conform to what they're asking of you, mm-hmm. you know, like, you could have a full-on conversation with something and one thing is said, and then you're ghosted. Like, what I'm trying to point yeah, out is like... like superficial? Yeah, it's all superficial. It's superficial and it's, there's like not, there's no mutual respect, I feel. It's mm, more it's like. It's all about the physical. Yeah, like mm-hmm. get what you want and it doesn't matter if anyone gets hurt in the meantime. And um, so there's like the, the, the main part of the gay community that's all about love and acceptance and like really just making people feel welcome and like a part of something. And then there's this aspect of the community that draws on this darkness. I feel this, like it's not of the, it's well, not that it's not of the light, but it's, it's like the shadow aspects of it, the, the shame and the, and the guilt and the fear and the, all that stuff. That's a part of, you know, the darkness. It it exists mm-hmm. there too. Mm, got it. And so for me, I was seeing maybe because of my own resonance, I was seeing a lot more of that. And for whatever reason, it's, it allowed me to, you know, stay open to there's more to this than, than just being gay and just like, you know, having pride every June and like, I don't know. It didn't feel completely resonant, I guess. Mm. And when I, so then I, yes. So now the episode I was watching of the show and the girl that she's with, or they are with says to them. So do you feel more like a boy or a girl? And she's like, I just feel like me or whatever her name was. (laughs) Let's say her name was Mm -hmm. Tay. She's like, I just feel like Tay. And then I was like, for some reason it just like hit me. I was like, Whoa, that's what I feel like. I'm not trying to fit myself into these boxes that are created Mm -hmm. for me. It's like, I'm me. I don't, I feel like I can, I can embody both male and female qualities Mm -hmm. and energies. And I do. And Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily fit into the male societal roles and the theme or the female societal roles. Mm -hmm. So why do I have to pick one? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's limiting me. And so by, by saying I'm non-binary, it gives me freedom. 
of anyone's expectations of me. And they might have expectations of someone who's non-binary, but I'm not claiming them because there really is that that's kind of contradictory towards the term of being non-binary. And so non-binary can look like a lot of things. I mean, I'm a, I pass as a male. People think I'm straight most of the time. That's just, I'm not trying to be that way. I've seen myself become more and more feminine as I've allowed myself to be more and more authentic. However, when I'm in a conversation expressing myself, it tends to come across just like it is now, you know? Do you really, do you get any one way from me as far as, you know, masculine or feminine uh, just from the conversation we're having? Yeah. Um, yeah, I feel like you embody pretty well um, masculine and feminine traits, and I really appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah, and I, I I appreciate it too because I feel like it's something I was gifted and that it benefits people to hear my opinion or just hear something I have to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, perspective. Thank you. Because it's not of the normal, you know? Mm-hmm. It's not coming from this 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 societal you know, male role or the societal male, I mean, female role that's been here for however many years doing the same thing over and over again. It's, this is like freeing yourselves from that. And it's not for everyone. It's just what I came to identify with, you know, Mm -hmm. for other people, it's much more to them than just this like thing of ease. It's like, like it gives them like a reason to live. You know what I mean? Mm. Having that, having a true identity and not being told what you are, like, and being able to claim Mm. yourself and claim your identity, it's pivotal for people Mm. because it's like, Mm. if you don't know who you are, if you can't know who you are, then you're, you're like root chakra and these chakras, lower chakras aren't going to be able to feel, you know, rooted down. You know what I'm saying? Mm Mm-hmm. So, and that is going to create all sorts of ungrounded problems for the person, which when you're already up in the air, lost, trying to find a place to call home, it's just detrimental. Mm. And it, you know, there's such a mental health crisis out there. Mm-hmm. And I don't even mean to say, especially in the LGBT community, but just as much as anyone else, you know? So... I think that opening up the conversation to the like LGBTQIA, it's mm-hmm. lesbian, bisexual, I'm sorry, LGBT, lesbian, gay, bisexual, trans, and then intersex, and then A, I believe, is asexual. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that most people just say LGBTQ+, which is also mm-hmm. okay. And as we know, lesbian is female to female attraction. Gay is male to male attraction, or it can also be used to describe the lesbian. And then you have bisexual, which is attraction to both male and female. Then you have trans, which is an umbrella term for any, anyone born with this, with the assigned sex of female that identifies as male 
would be considered trans and vice versa. Mm-hmm. So if you're born as a male and you identify as a female and you may alter your body or you may not, that's considered a trans male or a trans female. Trans also includes non-binary. However, you don't have to identify as trans if you are non-binary. So that's a little complicated. Um, yeah. And there's all sorts of expressions under the term trans. Like I couldn't even sit here and, and explain them all to you. Cause I probably don't even completely understand them all either. Mm-hmm. Intersex is someone who's born with either physical parts or genetics that are not of the male or female, like dominance. Mm-hmm. And so they, the doctor essentially would assign them a sex depending on, I guess, mm-hmm. what is being presented more of, mm-hmm. um, which causes a lot of sort of psychological issues for that person because now they're told they're something, but they may feel differently based on their chemicals of their body and the hormones and the genetics and everything. And so there's this like dysphoria that can come to be. Mm. And so there's, there's those beings, you know, they may tend to alter their body or identify and be considered trans by identifying as a, something different from their assigned sex at birth. Mm. That was just a doctor choosing their sex for them. And then asexual would mean that you don't have any sexual attraction to anyone, but there's also, you know, pansexual and Mm -hmm. I don't even know. There's so many terms, (laughs) you know? So yeah, I guess to go back after realizing that I didn't necessarily resonate with this gay culture, Mm -hmm. not that there was anything wrong with anyone resonating with that. It was just that something about it wasn't right for me. And I had gone to Mexico with my friend that had, Mm. that I had been working, having all these experiences with that were clearly karmic and were helping us both grow. Um, even though they were quite challenging, he ended up going to Mexico to do a plant medicine. And I was just going for support and so we were there and they gave him the, it was, I think it was called Ibogaine or Iboga, which is apparently one of the strongest psychedelics. And it was used to like detox people off of heavy drugs. Like if they were addicted to like meth or heroin or something, but he was doing it for, he had this treatment resistant depression. So he went to do it. They have, they monitor your heart. Like there's a doctor that monitors your heart for the, to make sure you're good for the full dose and everything. And for whatever reason, there was something going on with his heart at that moment. So they couldn't give him the, the full dose of the medicine. So he ended up just getting sick for like eight hours and they felt really bad. So they offered him this other plant medicine and they were like, your friend can do it too. And I was like, I don't know. Like I didn't, I didn't have any intentions. Like I was like, I didn't, plan for this you know i there was that fear but so he did it and i wasn't planning to do it and he called me afterwards and he went from being ready to jump off the cliff to like everything is oneness and i love you and thank you and all these things like he was finally feeling love and like and 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 expressing it and 
it was like, it blew my mind. So I was like, this is life changing. Like I would be stupid to pass this up. So I went in and I like set an intention. I was at a different hotel than him and I got myself ready and they came, they sent a car and brought me there and they laid me, they sat me on this bed and they put this venom of a Colorado river toad that was uh, harvested by a shaman and blessed. And then they put it in this pipe and they like turn it into a, a vapor and you inhale it and immediately my vision went dark and like my whole body was vibrating and I felt it felt like my body was going to die, which they said it might feel like that. And I just had to tell myself to surrender. And as soon as I did, I couldn't feel my body anymore. I couldn't sense my breath anymore. And it felt like I was zooming at like the speed of light even faster towards something. Mm. And I just slowly became encapsulated in this bright golden white light. And it just, till the point where it was it was i was it it was me there was no separation and it was this bliss and like ecstatic love acceptance this feeling that i can't describe that i wish everyone on this planet could experience because Mm -hmm. what a world it would be you know Mm -hmm. and i came out of that experience and i just started to see like how everything was connected and how each person was reflecting something back to me about myself and I doing the same for them. And even nature, I could see how it was alive and breathing and all connected and how I was part of it. And it just blew my world open to so much more than I could have ever imagined. And that's really what allowed me to see non-binary for what it was because it really is about that oneness. It's about everyone is one. We don't have to fit into these societally created norms that were just told to us when we were born. And you know what? It's not that you can't do that. Like everyone feels free to do what they feel is for them. I'm just saying this is what I feel is for me and what a lot of other people also feel is for them. And I love that. Mm-hmm. And at the same yeah. time, there's a lot of people that don't understand and don't see from that perspective of everything is connected. And they're seeing from the veil of separation and living from a place of fear and shame and guilt. And I'm not judging because I did the same thing for how, you know, my whole life and maybe still have parts of me that do those things that I'm working on now it's a process and not everyone is going to go through that process and that's okay. Mm. Yeah. That's beautiful. It's a great experience. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Um, it was well, amazing. I guess, yeah. But I guess, uh, at this point I can kind of talk about my upbringing and, um, yeah. my, my development of my views. Um, so I, I grew up in West Texas. I was very conservative, very Christian. Um, I grew up, you know, believing that uh, homosexuality and and all those things, LGBTQ, was mm-hmm. um, sinful or wrong. Um, but I think I I, de- I definitely felt very kind of feminine, I guess, growing up in a way, in that I always felt very emotional. I liked, you know, I was a creative. I liked reading and writing and creating 
Mm-hmm. And I always felt drawn to girls more than guys as far as like being friends and feeling I could connect because we could talk about, um, you know, our feelings and relationships rather than like cars or, you know, I could talk about sports a little bit, but it wasn't, wasn't the biggest thing. Just I totally relate. Like, yeah. I felt like it was deeper. I don't know. It was yeah. things I cared about more, um, thinking about life and stuff like that. And so, um, I definitely didn't feel like a traditional masculine man mm-hmm. type of thing. So, um, but you know, I, I was attracted to girls and, um, and so that aspect was pretty normal. Um, mm-hmm. but, uh, I think, um, so for was, you, it was more like that, that femininity was creating like this, maybe tension with male figures in your school. And maybe there was, maybe some bullying because they were trying to call you like a sissy or something, but you really inside, you know, like that's not, I like girls. And so I could see that being very, um, Um, I don't know if it was, I don't think I presented as like really feminine. I was very like respected. I was very, it was very inward. It was so, Uh, so I don't think that people. Oh, cause you played sports and stuff, right? Yeah, I did play sports, but, um, Mm. you know, I, I wasn't always like, really good and um and so i got bullied for for not being great at sports okay um, at times okay so i don't feel like the bullying was necessarily about that um mm. but it just definitely didn't help <laughs> no wow kids are so mean i think back <laughs> right right yeah you yeah. know just like kids and adults everybody um yeah it's an it's a it's an easy bent to want to be to fit in and, and then that causes like tribalism and then you know you have to fit the certain mold True. um to fit in and that out relates to sexuality as well. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh yeah, I was homeschooled and I went to private school and it wasn't until high school, I guess, where I encountered people that, you know, identified as as, as gay, mm-hmm. uh, lesbian and um that definitely was I would say it was uncomfortable for me. It wasn't something I was used to. Um, but at the same time, I wasn't, you know, going after them or, or throwing hate at them. It was just, mm-hmm. I could feel it was uncomfortable. It wasn't what I was used to. Um, right. I think where things started to change, um, you know, I had my awakening. Um, and I guess I just, I didn't really think about that, um, that part of it, the whole sexuality much after mm-hmm. that. Um and, and, you know, it took me years to identify with my experience, my awakening, and accept that it was an awakening. I think once yeah. I did, and I started to go on that spiritual journey in 2019, that's when things started to shift. Um, mm-hmm. And um, there was some things happening that uh, I won't get into too much, but it, it caused my yeah. dad to kind of start thinking about the issues well. Um, okay. And he read some books and he told me to read them too. Um, one was called Torn by Justin Lee. Another was called People to be Loved by Preston Sprinkle. And that was just about the LGBTQ issues from... Mm. Well, really, it's probably more about the um, lesbian gay specifically. Um, okay. And from a Christian perspective and how they thought about it. Um, and Justin Lee was kind of on the side that, uh, that's all natural and a part of God's plan and 
Preston Sprinkle was, he's kind of more in the middle that he does think it's, uh, that acting on it is a sin, not okay. that being attracted itself is a sin, okay. but acting on it is a sin. But again, his book is called People to Be Loved, that, that they have <laughs> been really hurt by the church and other people and that they need to be loved and stuff like that. Uh-huh. Um, so, you know, I, I, I appreciated both books. Um, yeah. And, uh, but, but I think I, I am at a point where I, I wouldn't say like I'm a hundred percent, um, with a lot, like a lot of my beliefs, I wouldn't say I'm like hundred percent, but I, right. I do think that, um, it's, it's a natural thing that, you know, and I, I don't even like the word sin really. It's more like, is this healthy for that person or, um, a, a homosexual relationship or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I, I think, I think it probably is. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think about like families, um, and people debate, uh, about like, do kids need a man and a woman, you know? And, mm-hmm. um, I'm not, I'm not hundred percent sure. Um, but I think there's a lot of, uh, heterosexual, um, marriages that are very unhealthy. And, mm-hmm. you know, even if perhaps kids do need a, a man and a woman, uh, a mom and a dad that a homosexual um, parents that are loving is, is still a lot more healthy than, than that. So I think there's a lot more yeah, I could uh, see that. nuance to it. Um, and, and I can't say, you know, I know, and I, you know, I, I've looked at, there's lots of studies and I think that there's studies that both sides can point to and be like, see, mm-hmm. but I, I'm not sure if scientifically we've really, Discovered I think it's really hard to say, answer. especially yeah. because, like you said, there's a lot of, you know, heterosexual couples with children that mm-hmm. it's not a functional, it's a dysfunctional system that's there. So, I mean, I, I grew up in one and I've seen many people um, grow up in them and what that's done to them. And I think that, like you said, who knows, because there's studies that point to each side being healthy Mm -hmm. as well as we don't really know yet what the effects of um, a queer family system are because it's so new and it's happening right now. And Mm -hmm. at least in the public eye, you know, like it's, this Mm -hmm. stuff has just really come to the forefront of being talked about. I mean, gay and lesbian is way more widely accepted than trans trans mm. because they there's there's a lot of nuance in trans that many gays and many lesbians can pass as straight people and they can pass in society as straight you know a straight man or a straight woman even though they may be in a relationship with the same sex so it's like i think i'm kind of going on a tangent here but I think that, you know, it's, it's easier to look at a family with either a man and a woman or two men or two women. But when you have trans people involved, it becomes more complex. And I think that that scares people mm-hmm. because they don't know. It's very unknown mm-hmm. because it's so stigmatized. Right. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think so. It was, it was funny in college, I was doing a project, a senior research project, and I was researching Lord of the Rings because I'm a big Lord of the Rings nerd. 
and I was specifically it was about Aragorn, and they were kind of talking about um, what makes him so great and special. Mm. And one one article I was reading was talking about him really embodying both the masculine and feminine aspects, and that mm. that is being a truly enlightened or or mature person. That's the goal. And that was the first time wow. I ever heard about that. And I was like, that is really interesting. I could, mm-hmm. I could really see that. That really makes sense to me. Um, and on my spiritual journey, it was like that, that's, that's what everyone's talking about. That's, that's right. And, and I really thought about, you know, that, that makes sense, you know, just like, like God, you know, he created man and woman. And so he embodies mm-hmm. both the masculine and feminine traits. And so, um, you know that, that I I totally agree with that. That's what's I like how you said for that. Everybody, mm-hmm. definitely is. And it's I, interesting. I think, yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> no, you you go ahead. I was just gonna say it's interesting because it's like it it it's the goal, you know, for people that are on this like awakened path, and yet it's like we it's we're still in this structure that like forces the complete opposite it's it's like so contradictory it's kind of interesting that it's uh, able to exist together right because some people say you know if you want to be what what is right and what is mature what is to Mm -hmm. be very very masculine or very feminine um but it's creating these dualities that become very unhealthy and i think uh like someone that comes to mind is like Andrew Tate, <laughs> you know, mm. like be mm-hmm. very masculine, but you see, you see the problems in that and how that gets very toxic. Um, yeah. I mean, and you can, t- you can talk t- about it even on the smallest scale. Like for instance, I work at a diner and I, I was serving this person and I said, do you want a straw with your water? And he's like, nah, straws are for girls. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, <laughs> sure. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, that's just laughable, yeah. But it just goes to show how deeply ingrained it is. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so how I kind of think about it is I think there's a couple layers. There's like the physical layer, and that also involves like, um, yeah, yeah, the physical layer, and then there's like psychological layer and that involves like your biology inside and your your genetics and like mm-hmm. testosterone and estrogen and all that stuff. And then there's like the spiritual layer. So, you know, when we talk about all the stuff, I think a lot of people will I think that seeing these three things and kind of they're 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 related but they're also different. And so yeah. if we can kind of talk about these things and that kind of helps nuance a conversation and helps people understand it and it creates a better conversation together. Yeah. So, I mean, on a physical level, you have, you know, your genitalia and mm-hmm. you're born with it and it may not match up with how you feel about yourself, right. you know, it or it with may. And yeah. So there's that dissonance there between two of the layers of the physical and the psychological and then if you feel the need to change physically, you're going to be working on all aspects because you're going to have to be working on the chemical system. There's going to be physical changes, you know, and what's mm-hmm. the third layer you said? 
Uh, this is spiritual. Oh, the spiritual. And then of course there's going to be spiritual work because you're, you're that, I think that's at the forefront of this, you know, is like how you're feeling on this deep spiritual level of the, I am of the, like who you are at your core, you know, that is going to drive the, you know, the physical and the, the psychological, psychological. Thank you. Mm-hmm. it's going to drive both of them. And so mm-hmm. then if you're psych, if in your psyche, you're being programmed to say like, this is not okay. I have to be what they're telling me to be. So now you have this, this dissonance between the psyche and the spiritual and the physical because none of them are lining up. And then how is that mm-hmm. person going to be functioning in the world? How is that going to be affecting their relationships? How is that going to be affecting their work? You know, how is it going to be affecting their relationship to themselves? It, it's very deep, very deeply rooted. Right. Yeah. I, I think of the spiritual as, yeah, the embodiment of the masculine and feminine. And that's mm-hmm. at the core. And then, like you said, that oneness, like everyone is um, a part of God is um, good, you know, mm-hmm. at, at the core. And so mm-hmm. we can all relate and, and we're, we're the same in that way. Um, I think yeah. talking about the physical, I think mistake the lgbtq can get into is i mean i I, obviously i do think that changing the physical uh Mm. it's going to impact your psychological but Mm. it's not going to automatically solve all your problems or your your psychological issues and so right you think if you think that then then that's going to create a problem and so i i think as far as like like transgender if you want to change yourself physically um i would say first let's let's work on the psychological level and do what we can Mm -hmm. there and then if you feel like you need a physical change then go for it but um the the physical change itself is is not going to solve all your all your psychological problems no and like you're saying it's it's like kind of this thing now where everyone's kind of jumping right to making these physical changes once they've Mm -hmm. decided that that's what they want in a short period of time. And it's like really, as, as I said earlier, like spirituality is, is at the front forefront of a transition because if it's something that is going to be sustainable and like actually something that you want on the, on that deep level and not something that you're going to change your mind about, then it has Mm -hmm. to be changed on that deep spiritual level. And in that psychological level, because the physical is, like you said, it, it's just superficial. It's not going to fix everything. Right. And I think there is something to, um, I don't know, it's a very nuanced conversation. There's something to surrendering mm-hmm. to your physical and what the way you were born with. But at the same time, you know, we're not born perfect. And, and then some people right. are like, you know intersex they're 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 they're, mm-hmm. they're male or female and so right um, and, and then you know if we have issues we need physical changes so and i'm not very, percent very, i'm not 100 percent sure on the percent of intersex people but i believe it's like two percent of people are intersex right. so it's not a small number you know mm-hmm. and to also point to you know the the spiritual idea of kind of we chose what we came into. Like we chose mm-hmm. this, we had a plan. And so like, if, 
if we truly believe that, if we're truly embodying that, then there's no need to change your physical appearance because that would be ra- you would have this radical obse- radical acceptance of mm-hmm. what of what you physically look like, mm-hmm. and that's and not think, the perspective that everyone holds. Right, right, yeah. and I think there's something to um, you know that again embodying the masculine and feminine it it doesn't matter whether you're physically male or female um we can embody both and i think that mm-hmm. that even transgenders they are actually taking traditional culture and that same kind of principle of i have to change physically for me to be able to be um Accepted. have this uh feminine aspect to me or this masculine aspect but it's like no, whatever physicality, whatever, if you're male or, or female physically, you can still embody the masculine and feminine. That's a point. And so I think that they can kind of miss that deeper layer in the same way that traditional culture might miss it as well. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. I think about it, too. And I think like I think it makes people feel really uncomfortable when they see a man dressing in what they would say women's clothes when really it's just Mm -hmm. their clothes and a woman dressing in what they would say men's clothes when really it's just their clothes. You know, it's not anyone's clothes. It's the person's that's wearing them. But you, you have an idea that that is for women and that is for men. And that's just not how the person wearing them is feeling clearly. Right. Yeah. They feel like this is how I, what I wear, you know, there's a whole conversation about, you know, what, what is masculine, what is feminine and how much that is driven by culture and what is, um, mm-hmm. accepted culturally as masculine and mm-hmm. feminine. And I think we're, we're come to realize, you know, these things are <laughs> a lot less rigid than we think. And it, it's so much yeah. based on, on cultural and it doesn't have to be that way. Yeah. It is still, and I also it is think still hard to, it's still, it's still weird. Like if I see, it is a, a guy it looks like a guy physically and then he's dressed in you know that's still that's still affecting me that's still uncomfortable. yeah it takes my minute it takes can, my brain uh, a minute to adjust <laughs> <laughs> right right i can i can be like there's nothing wrong with that but but inside it's still mm-hmm. not comfortably because it's not what i'm used to what's not normal right there's that there's that feeling of like oh i'm not used to this like this is, looks weird and feels weird and then there's like the people that hate so much about themselves that they can't be authentic and free to be who they are Mm. that they actually get angry (laughs) they project anger onto the person who's you know wearing the weird clothes in their mind or whatever and like that's just a whole nother level you know that's Mm. when things i think that's when people get hurt you know yeah that's a great Mm. point um, I think there. Well, you could even you could even say that as LGBTQ is becoming more accepted, um, we're seeing a lot more people. You could say try out, be like, "Oh, am I mm-hmm. gay or a lesbian?" And um, I think that you could also go back to the conversation of um, being able to embody the masculine and feminine, whether you're you're straight or lesbian, gay. And so there's nothing. You know, I don't feel like there's anything wrong with being a lesbian or gay, but also there's nothing wrong with being straight. And so you can also be straight and still have that masculine and feminine. So I think some people might be trying that on because they feel like they can't embody the masculine and feminine 
within being straight. Oh yeah. I think so too. I'm seeing that it's like, it seems like a, a lot of people are identifying as queer now and that's great because it's showing that they're getting curious. And I think that that's natural. I mean, if you look back at these ancient civilizations like Greece and whatnot, you can see clearly that they were very fluid in their sexual expression and they may have still, you know, to some degree fit this societal standard of masculine and feminine or whatnot, but they were allowing themselves to be free to experience any type of sexual experience, you know, Mm -hmm. and then decide what's what they want from there Mm -hmm. or, or just keep choosing it all. But Mm -hmm. that seems like that was widely accepted. And now it's like the complete opposite. Well, it's getting there. Mm -hmm. Right. I do want to kind of go back to the, you could say more conservative perspective and kind mm-hmm. of see where they're coming from. Cause I think, I think there's, there's some things to it, obviously. Um, oh yeah. You know, they are very um, concerned or, or, or all about the family, you know, and about yes. community and, and the future. And I, I, I'm all for that. I think that's important. And mm-hmm. I think that, you know, there's a lot of problems these days with relationships and families. And that mm-hmm. is a part of the breakdown of community. And you could even say societal level. And then obviously we, yeah. we need family and we need families mm-hmm. to have kids to continue generations. Um, and so I think that is an important thing. Now there's a lot more complexity these days because of where science has gone, the ability of like fertilization and all, all mm-hmm. kinds of stuff like that. Um, but, but I, I can see where they're coming from and, and that that is an important aspect that we have to consider. Yeah. I mean, I could see like from the terms, from the perspective of the church, how I guess queer or like for, for instance, homosexual sex would be considered Mm -hmm. a sin because the true act that they consider the true act of God is like the male and the female coming together to create the child. And that's not an aspect of, of that. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. that's essentially what they're calling. It's a sin because it's not of what is like meant for us to do or what's meant for the creation. Mm -hmm. But, but I do think there's holes in that because, you know, I, I, a lot of a lot of Christians are saying, well, you know, there's a lot of sex that uh, even within a marriage between a man and a woman that's not mm. just about procreation. And so, um, that's a good point. God also created that for pleasure and for relationship, and not just sure. for um, procreation. So, um, even Christians, I think, are are that's good. Are seeing a more that's nuanced good. perspective about that. Yeah. Um, another thing that I think conservatives are concerned about is children and their um, exposure to sex and sexuality and all these things. And I, I do think it's it's a valid valid thing. I think you know children um, they're very precious and they should be protected yeah. and, and cared for. Mm-hmm. And um, at the same time, I think that there's an extreme level where kids are never <laughs> told about. Like even after going through puberty, they're not told about these things. They're not educated, and that that's harmful as well. So there's there's two mm-hmm. opposite extremes. But I, you know, it's when is the right time to talk about um, 
sex and, and gender and all, all this type of stuff. Um, I'm not sure exactly, but um, I think that kids need to develop in their psychological stages and um, they need to just be, let be children. And, you know, that may mean little boys are playing with Barbie dolls and there's nothing wrong with that. We don't have to be like, Oh, they're, they're gay. You know, they're just little kids. Right. Um, that's something later right. on to, to figure out. But at the same time, um, at some point it is a conversation to have, to have with your kids and figure out the stuff. But I think that sometimes the LGBTQ culture may be pushing these conversations and the stuff on kids that are too young and are not ready for this. Yeah, I could see that being mostly true. I think that, well, from experience, like growing up, I, I would play with Barbie dolls. I would mm-hmm. wear my mom's high heels and stuff. And like, I would be shamed for it. So I was like being told like, no, that's not okay. Instead mm-hmm. of being like, it, like maybe told like, well, this is, you know, this and this is that. And it's okay if you like both or something like, I think it's okay to have a conversation with the child about expressions of masculine and feminine Mm -hmm. and how, what genders are. I think that Mm -hmm. every child is going to go through these, you know, it's, it's, it's almost, I think can be a little intrusive to start talking to a child about the rest of it, like sex Mm -hmm. and, and like I, and identifying as one or the other, because they don't even know what's real until like age seven or something. So they're going to have those, those fantasies and these times of playing like, Oh, I'm I'm a girl or I'm a boy, or maybe even I'm a cat. And that's just Mm -hmm. a part of being a child. Once they're to a point where they can actually like start to, think critically and know logically what's real and what's not, then maybe introduce to them a little bit more of the information like, um, the, of, about maybe if you don't feel this way and identifying this way, you have to, you have to build it. You have to work with them. You have to grow with them. It has to be a process. It can't just be like, Oh, we give the kids all the information and let them do with it what they do. It's overload for a child who doesn't know what, what's right or wrong yet. Right, right, yeah. So there's like certain pieces that you can introduce, I think, as you would with anything, as you would with mm-hmm. anything, you know? They learn in steps. You, you mm-hmm. spoon feed them. Just mm-hmm. like you kind of have to spoon feed adult information sometimes. Mm-hmm. It's just what, what the brain can accept. And I just can't imagine a kid who doesn't know logically what's real and what's fantasy. Mm-hmm. expecting them to decide on whether they want to go on hormone blockers or if right. they want to go through puberty or, if, you know, mm-hmm. it's like mm-hmm. there's, you've got to introduce an aspect of it for them to play around with mm-hmm. and then ultimately wait until they're ready for the rest of it is my right. opinion. Yeah. Yeah. And that brings up, um, you know, I've read about, uh, I think like Oregon and some other States there's, they're trying to make laws or they have about, you know, like kids can go around their parents to make these, these changes and become transgender and these physical things. And it's like, man, I, I don't, I don't agree with that at all. I think that's, that's really messed up. They're, they're too young to understand. And, and also, you know, the physical mm-hmm. changes are, are very, um, 
powerful and hard to reverse. And so that's a lifelong adult decision. And, you know, um, parents may, may be raising their kids in a way that's, that's not healthy for them, but, um, it's, it's tough to be like, you know, the state is making these decisions instead of the parents and they're going around their parents. I I think there's a lot of uh, harm. Yeah. I mean, that there's, Oh, definitely. I agree with you. And I also think that there's like different agendas playing out in this realm of the LGBTQ community and not even within them, but there's like always, you know, there's the political aspect and whatever else social aspect that is like influencing the movement itself, the movement Mm -hmm. of acceptance and of awareness, you know, Mm -hmm. there are, there, the, whatever politics are using it to get whatever they want. You know what I mean? So Mm -hmm. it's sometimes misleading. Sometimes you can be misled by the information you hear, you know, based on where it's coming from, you know? So it's hard because you might look somewhere and you see them talking about trans people or LGBTQ people, LGBTQ people one way. And then you might look somewhere else and it's like, it looks like you're watching from a completely different dimension or something. So it's like, what, what are people actually being exposed to? What part of the truth, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. That's good stuff. And, the, the and I think that point. you find the truth within yourself it really is when mm-hmm. you can think for yourself and feel like what is true for you. Then you can find truth in the world. Mm. Mm-hmm. the the last one i'll i'll touch on is uh mm. kind of the sports aspect and i think that the lgbtq can in their pursuit of um you know t- thinking about the psychology part and even the spiritual oneness part yeah neglect the physical part and you know there are, there are differences between men and women physically and mm. uh, men are a lot stronger uh overall and you know, I, I like read an article about um, a transgender who, who did boxing, and she like um, broke broke an- another woman's skull. And I was like, these things are not safe. <laughs> oh wow! Not, so a, tran- right. a transgender woman was was boxing mm-hmm. another like female and broke her skull. Right. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Right, and it's like yeah. See, yeah, I can totally see too that far. being yeah. I can see that. I understand why they want that equal ability to do that. And, you know, if I was them, maybe I would want the same thing. I don't know. But mm-hmm. when it comes to like what you said, the phys- there are physical differences between a male body and a female body, mm-hmm. you know, and you can't really just ignore that. Right. You know, you can't, it's like, it's, yeah, it's too complex of a thing to just, no, we're talking yeah, about like, physical yeah. safety here, and you know, and that yeah. I think that takes pres- precedence over over the rest of it. I agree, and I don't know enough about it really to speak mm-hmm. that much more on it. But I do agree that like people's wellness, well being, and like their physical mm-hmm. safety is more important than like trying to figure out whether that they meaning you know, trans men and trans women should be able to p- 
play mm-hmm. sports with men and women. Right. Like I said, I and get then, the idea. Right. Yeah, and then and then there's the aspect of like you know because they're they're stronger and you know they they can they're competing better and mm-hmm. and they're just dominating and that's that's not really fair either. Yeah. Yeah. And typically, there's probably this a great strength that they have from their journey. You know, like mm-hmm. it's it's never an easy journey. That's true. To yeah. to go through that. Hmm. Right. Especially with um, in the in the spotlight of sports, you know, like all these people are all their awareness is on you. Everyone's got their opinions, and mm-hmm. you know, certain people are the focal points. Mm-hmm. Right. I wanted to um, touch on uh, one of the books I'm reading right now is uh, a Seth Speaks books in the nature okay. of the psyche. It's human expression. Um, and Seth Speaks is a uh, is a uh, you could say it's a uh, I call it part of the New Age canon. <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> it's a channel book. Um, yes. And, you know, a lot of uh, Christians, you know, won't, won't agree or, or, or like mm-hmm. like that, but. Uh, Okay. Yeah, I, I think they're they're great books, very interesting. And I was really interested very. to hear what they said about um sexuality. And basically what he says is um that humans are born they're naturally like bisexual, but um we kind of choose one way or the other. A, a lot of people do. Um and that a lot of yeah, what is masculine or feminine is socially or culturally um, yes, it's a cultural norm. Um, yeah. And that other times in history, things were much different and it would, it would shock us today. And, uh, it's based on our intent and understanding perspective that kind of shapes things. And so there's more Mm -hmm. flexibility than what we realize in our cultural moment. Yeah, Definitely. Wow, that resonates. That's like <laughs> yeah. essentially what I would, what I what I feel, and what I was trying mm-hmm. to say as far as like we all are like born with this openness, this fluidity to like explore and be curious and like figure it out as we go, not mm-hmm. just be told, you know. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that if we were allowed to have that freedom, that one the world would look a lot different and two i think mental health would not be as bad as it is because Mm. what you're asking people to do by by asking them to conform is to give up their worth and their sense of self and like essentially sovereignty Mm -hmm. right i think um well, actually, we'll get into the next conversation. What, what do you think about like pronouns? So pronouns, I understand that people need to like be called something that's adjacent with how they're feeling. And mm-hmm. so if that gives them, you know, the feeling that they're being seen, I think that that can be important. I don't think that everyone takes it that seriously, though. So... Mm-hmm not everyone's going to completely understand, you know, it's very new. You have to give people the space to learn and to understand and to make mistakes, you know? Mm -hmm. And so 
as long as you're allowing that space for people to learn and grow with you, then I think that's great. But you can't just expect people to know it, get it, use it right. And you also can't expect to, to be, keep getting it wrong and not trying, you know, if mm. someone you care about is asking you to call them something certain pronoun. Mm. Um, yeah, I think based on how I present, I'm like a he, him, but I also like totally love to embrace my feminine side. So I don't, I just don't care <laughs> about mm. pronouns, but some people do. And that's, that's for them. You know, that's important mm. to them. I just got to make a confession, say as a former English major, grammatically, I hate it. <laughs> I know. I do know this about you. <laughs> um, well, I think it's a, I like the uh, idea that we are now, um, I think it has to go with the whole psychology in general, that we're considering people's inner realities and their inner feelings and, and thoughts and 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 ways of expression and understanding. Um, I think that's great. Um, I think logically it's kind of a mess. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, I, and, and two, you know, psychologically you know that we, we often change. And, and so maybe someone, their sexual preferences never change or their identity or understanding of themselves never changes. Right. That's possible. But a lot of times that does change. And so even um, calling someone by their pronouns, that, that could, you know about Demi Lovato and did she change her pronouns? She's, she's gone through a lot of different phases and she's changed a lot of that. And so that's kind of an extreme example, but just like that, that can be so messy, I guess. And so to me, I'm like, I like the, the general idea, but I feel like we should, and it's so hard to, you know, you, yeah, I, I feel like, I, I feel like that we should just call, you know, it should be like it used to be, but I understand I like what you're idea. saying. I like the idea. And I think that it's important to consider people and, um, how they're feeling and, and thinking and, and, um, hold space for that. So, so yeah. I think that's important, but also I think Agreed. there can be a militant, you have to, call me by yes. that or accept me for this. No, I agree. Blah, blah. It can be taken too far. And, and people, like I said, aren't necessarily taking it seriously, even the ones that are using the mm-hmm. pronouns themselves. So it's like, mm-hmm. it's just too inconsistent, I think. And, um, yeah, so I get both sides, you know, but I do right. think it's important for someone to feel seen and, and heard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I think I used to, uh, believe that I need to stick with like what I believed and call someone he or she based on their mm. physical. And now I'm like, you know, I don't think it's a big deal. I'll call them, you know, what, what yeah. they, what they desire. But I understand that perspective in that. Um, I, again, going back to sovereignty, if someone has a belief, um, it's important for them to be able to, stick with that and not be forced to call someone something, but, um, yeah. right. It goes both ways. I totally get it. Yeah. But I don't, I don't it's think a it's a tough the, one. Uh, 
it, yeah, it's not the biggest thing in the world, honestly. No, uh, but it's an interesting, interesting conversation. Definitely, yeah, yeah. But I, I think um, so. I guess is there any other part of this conversation that you angle that we haven't covered yet that you wanted to cover? Hmm. Maybe I think it's important to like understand like the difference between being assigned a birth, like sex at birth, there's that. And then there's like your gender expression, which is like how you feel and express your gender and they can be complete opposites. And then that's okay. But they are two different things. And that's what I don't think people understand is there is what a doctor assigned you. And there is how you feel about how you look and how you feel Mm -hmm. inside about who you are. Mm -hmm. Those can be separate and remain mm-hmm. at the same time, you know? Yeah. And so then there's also sexual orientation, which is based on who you're attracted to and relates to how you identify. So if you identify as a male and you're attracted to men, then that means that you would be considered homosexual. Mm-hmm. If you're, a, it, it gets complicated too, because if you're a <laughs> trans male, and you're attracted mm-hmm. to a male, then you're homosexual and you're trans. Mm-hmm. Right. Whereas if you're non-binary, you could technically say you're homosexual, I guess, but it doesn't really make sense because you're saying I'm not male or female, but I'm a tr- if you're a tr- like, so I'm non-binary, I'm attracted mm-hmm. to men. I pass as a man. So people think I'm homosexual, but really I'm non-binary and I'm attracted to men. And mm-hmm. even on other non-binary people, so it's not as it's just not that simple for me, for most people, you right. know. Yeah, and I, I think what, yeah, the uh, the psychology part is, is so complex and, mm-hmm. and can change a lot, and so it's important to again consider people and have these conversations, and it is a part of your identity. But at the at the end of the day, um the we're all we're all people that want to be loved and yes um have relationships and i think that's that's the most important part um and so not that we shouldn't talk about these things and and consider them but that's what's most important to uh at the core of all things and that we should uh mm. i guess have a perspective on um yeah yeah i think that the bare minimum that is should be required for everyone is love and acceptance Mm -hmm. everyone deserves that it's like a birthright and unfortunately Mm -hmm. in today's world it's not the case but Mm -hmm. i think that i hold that intention for all and many others do and so it it will eventually get there right and i just want to say too um this whole conversation about sexuality i think um, you can say that, you know, we, we don't always like you're talking about our attraction and then how we feel as masculine mm-hmm. or feminine in ourselves mm-hmm. that, that different parts of ourselves don't always line up or match. And it, do, it doesn't, we're, we're walking contradictions we're yeah. paradoxes and that goes also with beliefs. You know, our beliefs mm-hmm. might not always line up our, feelings our thoughts and our actions don't always line up so i think what's important is is to have grace and realize that 
you know, none of us are perfect. We're all, it's all a journey of, of learning is. and becoming, um, becoming who we are. Yeah. And so just to hold grace and love for each other in that uh, process and, um, no one has it all figured out. So we're all just on this journey to try to, to try to figure things out. <laughs> well said it's the truth. We're all figuring it out. Becoming yeah. who we are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I appreciate you uh, coming on and being vulnerable and having this conversation with me. It's been, it's been really great. I always love our conversations. I always love our conversations too. And I appreciate the invitation because uh, I, te- I kind of need that, you know, that <laughs> someone asking me to do it. Otherwise I'll just, mm-hmm. I won't break through that, you know, that mm-hmm. fear almost of right. what, what if, but mm-hmm. no, this has been great. So thank you so much. Yeah, definitely.